Uh, Derek, uh, thanks for joining me. That's kind of impromptu. I was like, hey, you want to do a bonus episode thing with me? <laughs> Podcast? But um, I guess if people don't know who you are, Derek, uh, you know, who are you? Where, where are you from? Oh. Uh, I am Derek. I am from The Tone Control. I do a podcast called The Tone Control with my buddy Justin, and it's about guitars and recording and and all like the news of the guitar community. Uh, we publish bi-weekly, every two weeks, not twice a week. And um, yeah, we kind of yeah. we do pedal reviews and stuff, and sometimes we have guests, a lot of times we don't. Um, we just started a, a Discord server, so we're doing that whole thing. And we just started a Patreon a little while ago. So that's that's what I do there. And then I play guitar in a band called Delaney as well. There you go. Alternative emo band, emo rock, indie rock band out here in New Hampshire. And that's that's who I is. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> you and uh, Justin were on our show uh, maybe about a year ago, I think. Gosh, so. yeah. When was that? Um, yeah, it was kind of a while ago. We did a, a little twofer. You were on ours and we were on yours and then yeah, we that, split the feeds. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that was a lot of fun. I think it was, it was like, cool yeah. to like introduce people to like, because I feel like uh, listeners of our show would like yours and vice versa. Hopefully there's Definitely. a lot of, lot of crossover. It's like, um, you said it, uh, even on yours, it's like people could listen to both shows and not get the same information at all. Oh, totally. You're yeah. Like, oh. And I still feel that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, oh, if, cool. It's a little... Well, one, two punch. So that's a lot of fun. I think it's like, it is. Yeah. A lot of guitar podcasts are like friends with each other. And I think it's like, it can easily, uh, if you're dumb, be like a co- mean competition, but no, it's, I think mm. all of us are just friends and like, Oh yeah. You know what? Cause we all like the same shit <laughs> and, people yeah, listeners. and we're all on the same team. Like I think as like musicians and stuff, we're all on the same team mm-hmm. and as podcasters too, like we, we want each other to succeed because I deal with this with the local music scene. Yeah. It feels very competitive sometimes, which I think is the dumbest shit ever mm-hmm. because like when bands help each other out and when podcasts help each other out, the whole everyone benefits. Mm-hmm. So like why make it a weird competition and have all these weird like grudges with other bands and like get into weird competition shit with podcasts and stuff. So I don't know. I'm all about it. You yeah. said, do you want to do a podcast? I was like, yep, I do. Yep. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, you were mentioning like, I don't know. I feel like I haven't felt that whole like competition, like bug or whatever with like bands in a long time. It, that, at least lucky. like since I was like in my early twenties, cause I kind of like, yeah. got over, got over that. And I don't know if it's just like where I, my headspace is, or maybe just the bands that we play with now. I think it's probably the latter to be honest. Cause a handful of the bands that we're still playing with. And even, you know, one of my band members is, is younger than me by enough years, not by a lot, but by enough <laughs> years that this kind of thing is still happening. Yeah. By like, and, you know, maybe that mindset or even just like, Oh, in like, I could see like, like bands with like, I mean, I'm, you know, early thirties, but you know, it's like band when you're in your late teens and early twenties, you think that you're going to make it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> not that I'm like, I want, I think my band sucks or anything. And I'm sure you're the same way. It's like, no, we're good. But it's like, I got, you know, a job yeah. and stuff, so. <laughs> right, right. I mean, the band, like, it's not about making it. It hasn't been about making it in so long. And not that I'm saying my bandmates think they can make it, but it's still like, um, I don't know, they're like, oh, don't talk to that guy. That guy sucks. I'm like, well, do you, like, do you even know him? <laughs> like, or, or do you think he sucks because you heard he sucks from someone else? <laughs> it's that like, kind of thing. Yeah, you know, uh, I graduated high school in 2006, guys. I don't uh, need to play these games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah tell me about it yeah it's I don't know, it's, it's fun and then it's like kind of interesting like going back and reliving those years because you guys have done it and you mentioned on your show you guys have done the emo nights and stuff like that those are big yeah that's over... what we were supposed to do on saturday and it got canceled but mm-hmm. yeah 
And uh, those are a lot of fun because you're playing the songs probably better better than you ever would have back then now. And then people Definitely. are just like, oh, yeah, we're like reliving like we're early 20s or whatever. <laughs> What's funny, too, is like the emo night thing is really fun for a lot of people. A lot of people come. They usually sell out. We usually make pretty decent money considering bands don't make a lot of money. Exactly. <laughs> and um, but at the same time, there's so much work because we have to learn all this music and we you have to do it perfectly or else people are going to like just you know, riot basically. Yeah. It's so you, it's gotta be, gotta be perfect, which is, and there's so much music out there from those years that I just haven't heard because not everybody can hear everything and you just kind of end up missing the boat on stuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it's, and then that, that happens eventually. And inevitably every emo night we play, there's some song that the first time I've heard it is like when I have to learn it for this show. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Even just like music back then, I guess like, even like 10, 15 years ago, it was so much harder to get music. Yeah. I remember I would, I, my iPod mini or even the iPod nano or whatever, that thing was my life. Oh, you know, uh-huh. whatever for, you know, gigs of music that you could put on there, that represented what you were at that moment. Right. It was like a personality statement. Yeah. And then it's like, and cause like, it was a bitch to get it and bitch to get it on there. Either you had to like steal it from a friend you had to, you know, get the programs to rip it off their iPod yeah. and then, or you had to have the actual CDs, which I'm like, I still have a bunch of CDs for some reason. <laughs> I do too, actually, right? I'm in my office here under the bed. Like yeah. I, guest I have room bed the thing. exact gotta, same thing. A big old yeah. tote from uh, Bed Bath Beyond full of CDs that I just don't want to get rid of. <laughs> right. Cause like one, what am I going to do with them? But yeah. t- and like, it was funny as I got a new car last year, no CD player in it. <laughs> Wild. Yeah, Like we've come all the way back around. My first car had a CD player and my newest car doesn't have a CD player. The ones in between did. (laughs) Yeah. As you were saying, like having to learn the whole, like, like a set of song, like covers and stuff like that. Even if you're doing like four or five of them, that's still like, I'm like, that's a lot of work compared to like, oh, I'm just practicing and fine tuning my own music. It's tough too. Cause as a band and a a musician creating original music, that's really what I want to focus on. And I, but doing that costs money to some degree. Like if you want to go to the studio, you need money. If you want to just like print CDs, you need money. So you play things like emo night to make the most money possible. It's like literally the best bang for the buck. And you know, it, it works out, but at the same time, like all that time spent learning someone else's music is hard to not look at it. Like, well, I could just be doing this for my music and be putting all this time and effort and attention into my project. Yeah. And, and hopefully that it means as much to someone as this emo music from 15 years ago means to someone someday, but yeah. that's obviously like, you know, yeah. It's or, like, I, or I could play emo night and make a couple hundred bucks and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. send my thing out for mastering. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, uh, yeah, you, cause you guys are recording an album right now, right? You're band mm-hmm. Delaney. Mm-hmm. How's that? How's that whole process going? Uh, it's great. We are done tracking. Uh huh. And now we're on to editing everything, but I don't want to dwell on this too much. Our producer is quarantining himself. So this is my, my rule about podcasting lately is like, let's not talk about the end of the world. But yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So my, our producer engineer is like at home self quarantining. He's fine, but it's like, he's just was exposed to someone who might also have been exposed to someone. So he's just playing it safe. Yeah. So, and we're totally agree. Smart move. Uh, Yeah. Good idea. (laughs) But that puts like a two week delay on everything. So then he's got to edit everything and then it's finally off to mixing. Mm-hmm. So, and from there, it's really going to be off to the races. I think, unfortunately, 
all of the shows that we had planned to like build hype and make some money to put towards mixing and mastering are being canceled. Mm -hmm. So we're not sure what to do about that. We might have to like delay the EP release, but yeah, we'll we'll get there when we get there. It's six tracks. It's really good. It's some of my favorite stuff that I've ever recorded Yeah, in all my years. It's my favorite guitar tone that I've ever recorded, which is great. Nice. Sounds, sounds really good. Hell yeah. Uh, So just keep an eye out for that. But, um, I wanted to like I don't know like a little little topic maybe to kind of go off of that um, sure because you know you're talking about your guitar tone and stuff like that that you're you're working mm-hmm. you know working towards and that you're proud of on this album so what I wanted to ask is have you ever like uh, tried to emulate uh, somebody else's tone or like somebody else's like famous tone to make it like your own like now this is my sound like uh, somebody else made this but now I made this <laughs> um. Not for the purposes of making it my tone, but I have for the purposes of just having fun with my gear and kind of learning to play parts and learning to play in a style. Um, an example would be like, I have a, a line six HX stomp, which is like the light version of helix. Yeah. Um, I've spent a lot of time trying to create tones that are like, um, like tool, for example, really iconic guitar tone, really heavy, really tight, um, high quality, high gain tone that with my analog guitar gear, I cannot make because I play a Vox AZ 30. So yeah. <laughs> like you can't go with like raging Marshall stack type diesel amp tones on that kind of thing. So because I have software that's able to do it, like, yeah, I'm going to mess around and try and really nail a tone like that. Cause it's fun to jam on. It's fun to play along to records like that. Um, I have a similar patch in the idea of um, John Mayer's slow dancing in a burning room. That strat tone is like peak strat tone. Yeah. And I think it's it's not just John Mayer's tone, but it's like a, a benchmark for how Stratocasters should sound. <laughs> so I made a tone very similar to that using like a, like a Fender Twin. I think it was a Twin or a Deluxe maybe or a High Power Tweed or something like that. It must have been a Twin. Um, a Tube Screamer compressor. Pretty simple. But it sounds great and it sounds it only sounds good with my strat, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then it doesn't fit anywhere else. Yeah, like it it's fine, but with the strat, it's like clearly designed for that. Um I did a similar thing with my Les Paul just into a Marshall Plexi, just that classic everything on 10. It sounds awesome because it is awesome and that's what it's made for. Yeah. Um as far as my personal tone goes, I'm more like pick and choose aspects of tone that I like from other people uh, to kind of mash together. So like I like high gain tones, but I'm not in a high gain band. So how do I equate that to my band? Right. Yeah. And I like some really compressy clean tones, but again, that doesn't work for my band. So I'm kind of trying to meet in the middle on a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So are you trying to like really contrast with your singer who your singer is also a guitar player, piano player, right? Yes, that's correct. He, um, he plays an Egnator and a Tele and some some drive pedals and stuff. He's got a pretty crispy, like crunch tone. I would definitely call it crunch. It's um it's not scoopy. It's pretty flat, I guess, EQ wise. Whereas mine is like far more EQ sculpted. Yeah. Um what's funny though is even though like all of my gear doesn't have any EQ controls on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like inherently a little more mid-range focused and I've always liked that cuz I guitars are mid-range instruments. Exactly, yeah. And for them to cut through mixes, I really like not not really pushing mids, but making sure that they're present to really be heard mm-hmm. in in most settings. 
so I, I play the AC30, the clean tone, Matt's always, Matt, the other guitar player, is always complaining uh, complaining about my clean tone not being clean enough. Yeah. Because I run the amp pretty hot, and for, for a clean tone anyway. So if I hit it hard, it's going to distort, and I can use the volume on my guitar or a volume pedal or something to dial it down. Yeah. And, and tidy it up a little bit. I don't think I've ever liked a clean, clean tone. <laughs> and Delaney's a band that some parts we do need a clean, clean, crystal clear tone. And I struggle with that sometimes because I just love the crispiness that the amp offers when it's running pretty hot. So that allows me then, depending on the song and the venue and all these other factors, to use different gain stages to get the amp to react the way I want. Yeah. So, and right now that's only two pedals. It's either an EP booster which is all clean boost yeah. or this um, I'm using the small sound, big sound mini right now. And and before that I was using a full tone plimsoll, which is really high gain and, and really just, oh, it sounds so good, but it was, um, I, I also got the mini and wanted to try that out and it sounds awesome. So I'm just running with that for the time being. Mm-hmm. And both of those have so much output, the EP and whatever distortion pedal have so much output that it drives the amp really hard. And, adds some of its own distortion color via the pedal yeah so, so any combination of clean one pedal the other pedal or both pedals or both, gives, yeah, me yeah. These, <laughs> gives me these sort of um you know sonic arsenal <laughs> yeah you could say uh, you never but yeah um, yeah i guess you're like you're just trying to like fit in with a band you're not really trying to like fit like oh yeah you know i i really dig you know uh, Jimmy at World's guitar tone, which they have great tone, but you're not gonna be like, I want to sound like this. I'm gonna get a P90, you know, Les Paul yeah, or something like that. Right. And yeah. I do like that is a band that I definitely model some of my tonal chasing after. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just gonna say that the tone of um, the intro tone of appreciation. Yeah. I forget which album that's on at the moment, but that that jangly, snappy tone, that's like my my real thing, my main bread and butter. And I'll go up or down from there mostly. So I basically want the versatility in my rig um, and, and combining all of those things, like the crispy cleans from John Mayer type stuff to Manchester Orchestra type stuff to even tiny moving parts has this like very sparkly top end thing that I wish I could achieve. <laughs> but um, mixing it with like the heavy, heavy rock tones of just like great rock yeah guitar tone you know <laughs> that's what I'm and even like some of those guitar tones really have to have the other instruments complementing it mm-hmm. i find mm-hmm. um I, I was got i don't know this past week i've been getting back into listening to the gaslight anthem i used to love yeah, the man. absolute shit out of them and that, that is and a that guitar I, tone band if there ever was one yeah and i used to i mean and i never fell out of love with them or whatever i guess i didn't like get hurt that much the last album they i had. would agree with that yeah it was just kind of like all right, this is a little bit of a stinker, fellas. Um, and you then, know what's <laughs> funny, though? I thought the same thing. And then whenever I put it on, like, let me give it another try. I'm always way more impressed than I remember being. Mm-hmm. I but was probably yeah, in a different headspace at the time, maybe. But I can always go back to, like, American Slang. Uh, yeah. American Slang is very, very, very good. And even um, 59 Sound. Yeah, as, um, was it? F- handwritten is my favorite for sure. I yeah. think they really, I think they, they honed their style enough where they grew up a little bit, exactly, they got yeah, rid of yeah. the slapback delay, but they still had their like really big time tones mm. and songwriting and hooks and stuff. And that, that that's one that I was really inspired by for a little while because I was like, I was playing AC 30s, I had the twin and I was like, oh, I had you know, a telly, I had a jazz master because it was like around the 59 sound and 
you know, American slang. It was like, oh, he was playing. Alex, the guitar player, was playing like Jazz Masters, like the same. I think the same mm-hmm. one that I have. It's like that uh, white one, like the '62 mm-hmm. uh, American Vintage reissue. Yeah, um, and um, just into like you know a, a twin with a couple pedals, and I was like, you know, see his old. It was like Super Overdrive and stuff like that, and he had like a t- Tube Screamer and stacked both of those into like some delays and stuff like that. So it wasn't like a crazy boutique board. And then once they got to like get hurt, it was like really crazy stuff, you know? <laughs> I agree. Yeah. He had the like earthquake, giant earthquaker board with a bunch of like boutique pedals and stuff like that. Multiple yep. amps, all that stuff. But it's like back then it was like, oh, Brian, the singer, and he was playing it just pretty much as a crank telly into like an AC30 type deal. Uh, yeah. Or like a deluxe or something mm-hmm. and, and like some distortion pedal type of. Yeah. Just, it was a really simple rig. Just to push it. And it's like, well, those two had to go together. So I'm like, I couldn't really get that sound out of plane because I'm like, oh, I would need to have another guitar player. So I maybe yeah. could record that. And I think I did like a little bit of that where I was like, my main rhythm tone was a telly. And then I was like kind of using jazz master a little bit for leads and stuff like that. And then I'm like, I can't really replicate this. And then so I stopped really trying to follow that like from them. So yep. I would say that was one of the last bands that I was really truly inspired by like trying to chase their tone, I guess. Yeah, because like I don't know. I, I want to chase tone like everyone else does, but I think I'm more interested in chasing the tone that's quote in my head. Yeah. You know, versus on a record because that's someone else's tone. And it's like I feel the same way about owning signature model gear. Yeah. For other players. <laughs> I don't uh, think of I which would... I do own. Like I'm not totally opposed to it. I do have some signature stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's because I just like it. It's such a really, it's a really great model of whatever. So yeah, I'll use it. Yeah. Like I'm only human. <laughs> <laughs> like I would really want like the Tom DeLong Strat or Tom DeLong 333 mm-hmm. or something like that or the Billy Joe Les Paul Jr. But I'm like, you know what? I'd rather just get my own Les Paul Jr., which I do have. And I, it's a completely like. And it's more inspired by that idea rather than. Exactly. Yeah. His clone. And like I have the Zach Myers PRS mm-hmm. from Shinedown. I could not name you a Shinedown song. I don't care about Shinedown. <laughs> I walked in the shop and saw it, and I was like, what is this? Played it. It's great. Really awesome guitar. And I was like, oh, it's some guy. Like, I don't care. Yeah. It's just an awesome. <laughs> it's and like, let's not forget. Let's not forget that the Les Paul is the ultimate custom model. <laughs> like, that was a dude's custom model guitar. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I just like uh, like because yeah, you you didn't go into the store thinking like, oh yeah, I'm gonna buy this uh, PRS because I want to sound like the Shine Down guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I I liked it because it's a semi hollow, like the bottom half of the guitar is solid, the top half is hollow. It's got an F hole. It's got a really wide fretboard. It's beautiful green color, which you don't see a lot of green guitars that look good. It's great. It's the zebra coil pickups, the humbuckers. It's got my favorite bridge, which is the wraparound with the intonatable saddles. It's just like a total package and it sounds great. It's a really modern sounding guitar, but it's a Les Paul type construction. Yeah. With the added benefit of being semi hollow. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. And so it's kind of almost like finding sounds that you like on your own and then making them fit into your own music or whatever. Yes, that's exactly. I'm, like, cause I'm like, you know, like I was saying, I was like, I was so into Gaslight Anthem and like, they, it's great, still great sounding stuff. And I'm like, if you recorded an album with those type of tones, I'm like, yeah, it'd be killer. But I'm like, I can't not necessarily replicate that live, but I'm like, I just started going to like, you know what if I just start? Cause I was like, back then I started rolling my gain back. I'm like, I don't need gain. I don't need da, da, da. And I'm like, and then I'm like, Kyle started adding a lot more gain to his bass and stuff like that. So we kind of went mm-hmm. flip back and forth. And I was like, you know what? Let me try adding more gain to mine. And that's when I started playing like orange and rocker verbs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh damn, this is sick. 
<laughs> Dude, when we were using the orange in the studio, it sounded humongous. And I was like, wait a minute. I should be playing more game. I play punk rock. I should do the yeah, right. <laughs> I should do the chugs and stuff like that. Live, absolutely. I totally agree. Um here's a, a real pro tip for all you home recording nerds, I guess, or, or <laughs> people in bands that want to make it. This is the key to making it right <laughs> here. <laughs> you gotta do multiple layers of low gain guitars. That is the trick. It sounds so much better than like one or two really high gain sounds. Like strictly in the studio is what we're talking about here. Yeah. But like it is, that's what we did for our EP, and you can add more guitars because they're they're not as clouded with raging tone. Yeah, and it, you stack that all together, it is immense. It is just so much. It sounds great. Yeah, and that's also works like, every time. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, once we get this album out, we're gonna be famous. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um. Like, but also with that, it comes like just a tighter performance. You have to be tight. Mm. Because mm-hmm. it, it will just go, they'll just be battling each other. And it'll sound like, dude, this sounds like four guitar players that are really out of time. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Also, pro tip: write parts that are within your means. Yeah, like I'm all about writing parts that are like really interesting and technical and sound great and are fun to play. But like, one is it in service of the song, which really should be the only rule. But two, like, can you even play it? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've encountered a lot of people that write these really cool parts that they can only nail on a really good day. And that's, it's just a bad feeling. And when, no, when nobody's watching. <laughs> yeah. When the, when in, in the studio or, and or live. Yeah. The stakes are high. Yeah. <laughs> you got to nail it. You got to nail it every time and just like really practice or admit to yourself that you can't do it and write something that is as good or better. That is not as hard. <laughs> Be economical is what I'm saying yeah <laughs> do you ever get to the point i mean you're probably recording differently because you do, you do record demos for your your podcast um mm-hmm. but uh, when it comes to recording do you ever like write stuff that you're like oh yeah this will be cool and then you get to like crunch time you're like oh, i can't play this <laughs> i have kind of the opposite problem where i can like really intensely focus in the studio and and write this intricate part that i'm really proud of and then live i can't do it you know because <laughs> it's like we're either I can't hear myself that well, or just like not feeling it that night or something where I get this great riff or this great pinch harmonic or something stupid. Right. That sounds amazing on tape. And then it's totally not repeatable. Yeah. (laughs) I guess I get, I get like that where I get parts and I'm like, Oh, this will, this will sound great. We jam it out and we're playing it. And I've been playing it live for so long. And I think it's just the fact that it's so loud that you're like, Oh, this sounds great. And then once you get it to like focused on a recording single track just myself over and over i can listen to it i'm like this sounds like shit yeah right like what did i what was i hearing that i thought i was doing yeah or like (laughs) is there a lot of like improv stuff that you guys were doing in the studio i always like i always like asking people how they record a little we did some pretty heavy-handed pre-production because we needed to make the most out of our studio time because we were paying for it so it was like the time really needed to be well spent Mm mm-hmm like literally well spent money. There you go. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, there was a little bit of, uh, Hey, I'm not like totally in love with this part. Does anyone have a great idea right now? And sometimes we did. And sometimes we didn't. Um, our producer engineer guy also named Matt plays in a band called paper monsters. They're really great. Also one of my favorite band names. Yeah. And he's got a great sense for songwriting and for arrangement and lyrics. Like he's kind of the total package. And he would just be like, you know what I want to hear in this part? Some of these songs, it's the first time he's heard it. You know what I want to hear right here is, you know, you go up to the fifth instead. Like, oh, man, that was the best idea ever. <laughs> Why didn't we think of that? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, 
always think of like how spontaneous people can be in the studio. So I, I always like, I think it's so fun to ask. Um, cause yeah, I, my rule is like, come prepared, come very prepared, but mm-hmm. don't, uh, close the door on sudden inspiration and sudden, you know, just shoot some ideas out see what works. There's, we ended a song totally differently than we ever have in the studio. Like we wrote the ending differently right then because it was, we were just feeling it and we love it and it's way better than we demoed. Yeah. I always so. think if you can lock down the drums first and then everything else is just open to, you know, you can yeah. change it if it fits the drums. That's what we did. Yeah. Drums were first, then bass, then guitars, then vocals, then all the other stuff. Or no, I'm sorry. We did piano in between guitars and vocals. And then we did like miscellaneous claps and percussion, just like shaker and tambourine stuff um, on our own. Yeah, because we um, the way we've recorded it, it's just all been on our own, and mm. just like or for the longest time. So we've only like at 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 the most paid for drums in a studio, but the rest is just like I'll record guitar. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know if that's like good or bad. Well, honestly, these days it doesn't matter because with stuff like XFX and you know high quality interfaces available and high quality um, DAWs available for low prices. Yeah. <laughs> comparatively, you know, you can, you can do it and you can do it really well. I mean, mm-hmm. let's like, we can't have this conversation without talking about Billie Eilish, right? Yeah. That yeah, whole yeah. album was, is a masterpiece and was done in a childhood bedroom. Yeah. It wasn't just like used like a UAD or like a universal audio, like Apollo or something like that. Something. I don't even know what the gear was, but the fact that they made it while sitting on the bed is like, there you go. You, like, you don't need a studio to have the best-selling record of the year. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> it's not really. Uh, yeah, it's it's not a guitar record for sure. And I was asking, uh, I was asking Matt, the studio guy, about like, oh, you ever get anyone in here with a Fractal or with a Helix or something? And he's like, oh yeah, it's really great for plug and play, and you just fire it up and off you go. But he's like, I still, I still want the amp. I still feel the amp better. Mm-hmm. And like, that's not a conversation we need to have. But it, it's still like you can get so damn close, like so close. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Doing it at home. So we're recording our new one and we, we talk about it all the time on the podcast. We just need to finish it. Uh, and I'm doing <laughs> all fractal, but I'm recording my DIs cause we th- are going to re-record them with amps just to see if we can tell the difference. That's it. Yeah. There's an idea. And like to reamp it later. Yeah. Reamp it at, at a studio. And I'm, I'm basically just using, um, 80, 30 and orange rocker verb as my, you know, fractal tones and those are my real amps so yeah i'm just gonna try using them in the studio going through like a pro board and you know with all like the compressors and everything like that distressors and all that stuff like that preamps and all that crazy stuff to see if there's really that much of of a difference um there i can in my experience which i'm sure you've heard of and know about uh there is a difference but it is so indistinguishable it doesn't matter yeah, it's like uh, I think you guys have talked about it and you said it on your latest episode. The idea of like that last like one or two percent, how much more money that costs to get there. <laughs> yeah, and like not even percentage of dollars, but like percentage of quality of tone. Yeah, right. That last, it's, yeah, to get there is like so much more money just to get that little bit better that nobody can hear. Yeah, and and a lot of it's just placebo. And if it makes you perform better, then great. Then the end of story. But. Yeah. Like we did the fuzz pedal shootout on our show where we did the big muff versus the helix big muff mm-hmm. and almost no one could tell the difference. What about uh, Sean Wright? Did he pick it out? 
No. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it either way. That's what, probably what he said. <laughs> like it was, we did that because it was the only fuzz pedal I had access to, really. But it uh-huh. was like, you know, yes, we can all tell they sound different. There's no question they sound different. But can you tell which one's real? Yeah. No. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which one's real. Which matters is knowing which one to use in whatever application you need. Sometimes the pedal's going to sound right for what you want. Sometimes the helix is going to sound better for what you want. Just like, fuck it, man. Like, and I've said this on our show, all of the demos, all of the bumps in between the news segments, all of the pedal demos, everything I have recorded for that podcast has never been through a real guitar amp. Not once in our seven years of podcasting. (laughs) It just sounds good. And that's really kind of like, I mean, if you can, if it's easy to record and easy to make music, that's the biggest thing. It's easier than ever. The barrier to entry on that stuff is so low now. Yeah. And like mm -hmm. you see these jokes about like, you know, oh, it's the festival. It's featuring two dudes in a MacBook, but it's kind of true. And that barrier to entry being so low is really important to get more people making music circling all the way back to the beginning of just saying like, we're all on the same team. We all want to be making music and sharing music. And that's Mm -hmm. the, that's the goal. That's the important part. Yeah. If it's just easier and it like, I don't know, you can get inspired people or whatever. But well, if you make it easier to do, to make and record stuff, yeah. you can spend more time focusing on your songwriting craft and your instrument or your software or whatever you need to really focus on when you don't have to worry about recording. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was also like, I don't know, it just if you can just get to the songwriting or recording part of it and just get the rest of the bullshit out of the way, that's so much better. Yeah. Know? Like even uh, doing these, uh, started doing some pedal demos and some pedal like videos and stuff like that for YouTube and Instagram. Mm-hmm. And um, when I record, I love those, by the way. Thank you. Uh, when <laughs> I when I record them, I never say what amp or what I'm using to record them because I like that better. I sometimes use a mix of an orange eighty, uh, you know, fi- uh, fifteen, and that's like kind of like an AC fifteen kind of mm-hmm. style, just with you know more betterness <laughs> i like orange yeah. so to me it has the more of that orange fizz and fuzz definitely that people like hate but i like them and then it um going through like you know a cab ir and yeah you know or i'm just going through my axe effects but i never say which one i'm using and then some people get like I, i've had comments like what are you, what amp are you using can you tell us what you're using i'm like no if you can hear how the pedal reacts to the bass sound then that's all you need to hear. <laughs> I, yeah, it's more important to hear whatever baseline tone you have than to know what amp it is. Like, what are you using? What are you using? And then I finally like broke down in a comment and told somebody, I'm like, oh, I'm using this, like a, a sim of a du- deluxe reverb in my Axe Effects. Right, and then somehow it negates how good it sounds to that oh, person. Oh, it sounds like shit. <laughs> if you yeah, right. Oh, the- well, like, I don't believe you anymore. <laughs> like, so I don't I, believe this pedal sounds accurate. Like, get off. And like, then get so out of here. I like, uh, on the last one I did for uh, Sean's, uh, the Canalia, I'm like, I'd use a mix of both. I used a, like, yeah. a real amps for song and then the playthrough was a fractal, but I never said which one I used. Um, well, that's the thing. Like in that kind of precise studio environment where you have access to tools like that, and I get that not everyone does, believe me, I don't have access to a lot of stuff like that either. But if you can and you have those tools, why not use them? Like why not make it sound how someone might be able to make it sound on their own if they have a similar rig or you can just showcase that like, yeah, even using even using a fractal or like even use like something that's not a real amp, it can sound yeah. just as good. <laughs> and also, I hate. I don't know if you've ever done it. Uh, I hate miking uh, amplifiers in my bedroom. 
<laughs> I've never really recorded in where I live. I've always recorded where someone else lives. <laughs> yeah, uh, I fucking hate it. And I'm, I will never, I mean, who knows what, what, whatever I say, but as of right now, I don't see myself going back to miking, you know, cabs anymore. Well, that's, I mean, part of the reason I don't use amps in my house to record for my podcast is because I don't have an audio interface. I just use my HX stomp and run it direct. And I just go USB into my computer and it does all the processing. My computer just goes, yeah, I'm listening. And it records whatever the hell I want. And it sounds awesome every time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. A, a lot of these things. I, you know, it's, now we're just gushing about like technology nowadays. I love that two note stuff. I like the fractal stuff. The he- Helix Stomp is really, that's, that's a hell of a it's buy. It's so good. If I was it's not so good. a stupid fractal fanboy, I would get a Stomp. So that's, well, that's the other thing. Is it really, if you're on the fence about either of them, it doesn't matter. Just pick whichever one you think you're going to be more comfortable with. And, um, but I mean, like, it's like the whole like how much percentage better is this than yeah you know, than that not a whole lot not a and, lot um yeah yeah I and like, like i i've when i was um you know many years ago i was really into photography and people talk about this like canon or nikon kind of conversation and it's it doesn't matter it's whichever one you grab that feels good in your hand they all do the same thing <laughs> yeah you know they all and yes there's the menus and the interfaces are different and how they work might be different but the end result you can if you get a pro photographer doing the same thing on each camera, I challenge you to find the difference. And then I, if you can, I challenge you to find out if that difference matters. And the same is true for stupid shit like PlayStation versus Xbox yeah. or Fractal <laughs> versus Line 6, you know? Yeah, I have, a, so. <laughs> I, I have a photographer friend and he's just like, that. he's like, dude, I had all Canon gear and I just hated how expensive everything was. He says like, so my wife uh, and I, like they were both photographers, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's like, we sold all of it and we got like a cheaper version of it. I don't remember what, it wasn't Nikon yeah. or Sony, but he's like, we got these and people are like, oh, you, you're going to buy that. You're going to get rid of your, you know, nice Canon gear. I'm like, yes. Cause I can get rid of all these, like this lens that costs $1,200. <laughs> I'll get right, rid yeah. of it and get like, a, you know, one that costs, you know, whatever. And it's like, he's like, I'm just going to be editing it anyways. And he's like a good enough photographer that he's like, oh, I'm getting the good shots anyways. So it, totally. It's like, oh, the tone is in the player's hands, which is partly true. Mm-hmm. But like for real, it's it's more about your ability rather like focus on your ability before mm-hmm. you focus on the minutia of sonic differences between fractal and helix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even just like real amps or whatever, and it's whatever is easier. Yeah. Um, I don't <laughs> right. Like I still play a real amp live every time because it's repeatable, and my I have no faith in sound guys. You know, I just yeah. don't, I don't want to rely on monitor mixes and stuff when I can just turn the amp up if I need to. Yeah, I'm really want to step into the camp of using my X8 live mm. and then using a FR powered cab. That's the dream. That's what I'm trying. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I want to try it. I'm, I I want to go into that world, but I'm like, whew. I'm like that What's, would be smart. That would be the be- easiest way. What's cool is um, I have played my HX stomp as the full rig once for an emo night. I had it doing the amp modeling, the cab modeling, all that stuff, sent it direct to front of house, and it went off without a hitch. It was great. Really? I, I remember you talking it up, but I never remember hearing the actual feedback on the, your show about it. I'm like, how is it oh, yeah. playing in a live was, rock band with that? It was emo night. We played as Fallout Boy that night. We were like all Fallout Boy songs. Oh, maybe and I did like, hear it. I, yeah, but I'm like, I don't remember if it was good or yeah, bad. Yeah, it sounded... It sounded great. 
and and setup and breakdown was a breeze like it was exactly what people talk about for that kind of rig exactly um and for a band like fallout boy i needed a high gain tone and a lead tone and a slightly cleaner tone and like nothing else yeah <laughs> you know because they're not really an effecty kind of band so it was perfect mm-hmm. um when we were practicing for the emo night that was just it's supposed to be on saturday but it was just canceled i actually switched the hx stomp to be effects only and i was running it through my ac30 and i just brought that to practice because all i needed was like a basic delay a trem and i was using my plimsoll in the effects loop of the hx as a distortion pedal and i got a volume pedal for it and was just kind of or an expression pedal controlling a volume block and many other things if i wanted yeah and that was kind of the rig because it was like i could still have four or five pedals on my board and only have two yeah and that, two that's physical pedals nice and it was just it ended up kind of working out but um yeah, how was it then my my clean tone's the same and my drive tone's the same, but all the other effects are processed by the line six. So before, when you were using it uh, in your Fallout Boy, uh, you know, uh, show, did you notice that you were overpowered by a drummer that you couldn't hear yourself, or you were relying on a monitor wedge? Because you don't. I was you, definitely. You, you don't do in ears, right? I don't. Um, we I could our our band setup allows for it, but I don't use it. I was relying on a monitor mix because usually, like I'm sure you know, when you've got your amp at the back and yeah. you've got a monitor in the front. You've got sound coming at you from both sides. Mm-hmm. You can kind of move around and hear whatever you want to hear. Um, in the case of not having the cab on stage with the Helix, it was like I was kind of more tied to the front of the stage because I needed that monitor. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like it was still not a deal breaker. I would do it again. Yeah, because I could, I don't know. I Sometimes I'm like, depending on the layout of the stage, I'm like, I just get overpowered by, mm-hmm. I can't, the bass or whatever. And I'm just like thinking, yeah. I just think of like the worst scenario is where it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like, I am just so underpowered and I haven't mm-hmm. been there in, I don't know, years. Cause I'm like always bringing like 50 watt amp, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, even if it's a 50 watt one by 12, you know? Yeah. That's still and, like, and like I brought, um, like most of the shows we play now, we end up getting mic'd, but we played one show, one of our best shows ever that we came in and they didn't have mic. So I just turned up my amp and it, sounded great and it filled the room and there was no balance issues there was no you know someone's too loud someone's too quiet none of that yeah and i think uh our band we we really are trying to scale back uh sound and loudness because we'd rather sound good than sound loud and that is a pro move and like it's tough to that's a constant struggle you gotta get you gotta get your whole band into it i know uh our drummer he's a fast, like really technical punk drummer, and he's a light hitter. He's not stupid because he's like, these symbols are expensive. I don't yeah. want to break them, and so he's like, he's but he's like, he's not like, oh, he's not just like, oh, I'm gonna be timid. He's like, he's like double yeah, kick yeah. and everything. He's like fast as fuck, and people are like, damn, he's a finesse hitter. I'm like, because he's like one, he's a singer in his own band, mm. so he knows not to like bash the shit out of his stuff but he was also like i paid for these i can't like he's like uh, has you know like his i don't know like his shit together you know yeah like, like you, you don't like, want to ruin your chances for <laughs> like next not time gonna, like, yeah and he's also like i don't want to like oh yeah you know uh break my symbols and i have all my like you know shit break <laughs> yeah right like our kurt our drummer just had a symbol break and he's like, fuck, now I got to go buy a new symbol. And he's like, and it's not that he he plays too hard or anything. He's firmly in the middle of the road there, as far as I know. Yeah. But it's like, 
that sucks man like it's way more expensive than guitar strings exactly and it's like <laughs> our drummer he's like he's like i've had this uh you know symbol for like you know, seven years back when he was in, or even longer when he back when he was in jersey I'm like he takes care of his shit i love that yeah but he's also like yeah i don't want to be too loud because he's a sound guy too he's like i want our mix mm. to sound good so he's all about like the finesse of playing and stuff like that and then i was like started getting kyle into like smaller bass amps so i'm like let's just sound good and so it's like combos or whatever and then I started playing a smaller amp and combos. And I was like, for mainly for us, I'm like, oh, if we can go in like Kyle and I roll up everything with the merch and a Crown Vic, that's perfect. <laughs> perfect, and, yes. Yeah, and then that's that's all the gear too. <laughs> and then our drummer brings yeah. his, own, his own gear. But it's like we show up, we played it like with a bunch of punk bands and hardcore punk bands at this like brewery. Like we had a yep. cool stage and stuff like that. But they were like, everybody, like the promoter was like, damn, thanks so much for not being a loud fucking band. <laughs> He's like, yeah, cause like, you guys are in like a brewery and you want people to be into your band. And I get it that you want to play punk, but it's like, don't be a- annoying. And thanks for not doing that. <laughs> like, yeah. Was super uh, we stoked. had this, um, we had this one show that they like sound guy bailed at the last minute. So they called this other guy who the venue didn't want to use cause he was really expensive, but he was really pro dude. And he mic'd up everything quickly and perfectly yeah for a live show it was great and he said to us over and over the quieter you are on stage the better you'll sound in the room the better i can make you sound yeah and we were like message received bro and sure enough it was one of the best it sounded so good and it's it's not even i mean maybe it's just the size of the amp or whatever too because it's like it makes it super directional but it's like oh we you know uh kyle's uh combo that he uses or it's like um that orange two by 12 combo for yep. bass. It's very, it's, it packs a punch, but it can be directional if you really want it to be. And it's mm-hmm. also like, I don't know, 500 Watts, but you can scale it back and it's like cool. Use, yeah. Usable Watts, you know? <laughs> like yeah. One to three is a huge difference. Like you have a lot of room and then nice. uh, you can go more there. And then I'm like me, it's like a one by 12 can push a lot, but it can also be directional. So I'm like, if they're like, Oh, we, we only need to like, I can just hear myself. I don't know. I, I talked myself into a corner here, but I'm like, I think smaller answer. No, I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, I, we played a show with a guy that had, um, it was an emo night and he, brought in a same emo night as the fallout boy one. He brought in a Kemper with a one by 12 cap. Nice. And it was like, just, you know, flip the switch. It's on. Okay. Ready to sound check. <laughs> yeah. And it sounded great. Like it was, it was really cool and it's so simple. And on stage, like it looks you know, looks can be deceiving. It looked very wimpy and kind of rinky-dinky, but like, it was awesome. It sounded great. Who yeah, cares? It, it all it always is like that. It's like, um, that we've I've well, I'll say it again. We've talked about it on our show. We played with uh, bands that were like playing with Marshall half stacks and eight by ten ampegs and stuff like that. Yeah, we showed up with like the orange combos, a one by twelve and the little bass, you know, two by twelve combo. It's like you could carry them. You know, like mm-hmm. one person can carry both amps in, and then we set up on, on stage. And I'm like they were the opening or the headliners which were they were on tour some signed band or whatever um they were like fucking like practice amps you guys and then we played and I'm like dude that <laughs> like, sounds, how dare you like they were like that sounds so sick he's like how'd you guys sound so big i'm like they're small amps but they're not shitty amps <laughs> yeah right i'm not playing with a you know spider one by eight you know it's a, <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like you know it's a class a Made in UK amplifier with a UK V30. There's a difference, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're right. And you're going to mic it anyway, so who cares? And then they're like, wow, that sounded great. And I'm like, 
he's like, I didn't think you guys were going to sound good. I really, in the, he, the guy even said, I wrote you off as you walked on stage. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's, thanks. I mean, yeah, that's good. That and he so said they're, that, they're probably so. thinking of like, damn, can we tour in a smaller vehicle next time? <laughs> <laughs> uh, answer, yes. And that's what we're, we're thinking. We haven't gone that point yet, but maybe uh, once we get back into it, you know, uh, you know, doing like shorter runs, I'm like, we could probably get away with like a, a small SUV or a minivan instead of like we went to like a 15 passenger van every yeah. time we every time we've toured. But I'm like. We could go smaller. I think we can get away with like small gear. That's going to be the ticket. I would agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you could. And uh, I've seen bands who are like, you know, drummer ditch the rack tom. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> but I'm like, and, how much space does that save? I'm like, who knows? Well, enough for a few more t-shirts. Yeah. But, yeah. and I'm like, you know, I'm just like speaking, like, I'm like, even as far as drums go, like our drummer scales it back for our band. Cause he's like, I don't need it. I don't need extra floor toms. I don't need extra cymbals. I just do a, maybe one crash, two crash, or like, no, he does two crashes uh, for our band, but for uh, his band that he plays in, he's got splash, he's got China, he's got two floor toms, he's got all, you know, like double kicks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. One kick drum, but two kick pedals, but for ours, he does single. Um, he's like, yeah, I need less stuff for you guys. Cause he's like, hmm, I'd rather just kind of keep it simple. <laughs> Yeah, totally agree. Man, I don't know how we got on this tangent, but I'm loving the conversation. But let's. Uh, I know that's fine. I was actually no low key, just like not even kidding. Looking at our our Facebook Messenger chat earlier, thinking like there was something else we were going to talk about, and I forgot what it was. It doesn't. It doesn't even matter. See, because <laughs> it doesn't I'm matter. Like, it doesn't matter. I, I like it because I'm like, dude, let's just have a conversation. Let's just put it. Let's put it on tape. Yes. Yes. Correct. <laughs> but uh, let's get out of here. This was supposed to be a shorter episode, but it might be like almost like yeah, a little bigger bonus. <laughs> let's uh. uh I wanted to talk about Discord, but I'm like, yeah, that, we'll save that for another time. But let's, uh, I don't get it, but let's plug your Discord. There's plug nothing your, to get. <laughs> I, I logged in today after talking to you, and it just is a bunch of just words. <laughs> yeah, so, all right. I'm trying Let to me... follow something to catch along, and I'm like, fuck this. Okay, so hear me out. I'm boomerang. I don't get you, it. You are. So you're younger than me, dude. So like, okay, <laughs> boomer. <laughs> So, okay, we, The Tone Control, my podcast, uh, owns and runs and operates a Discord server, meaning we have, like, a space that you can join as a member and chat with other people also in that server. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, we record our podcast in Discord because Discord is originally made for gamers to communicate with each other while gaming. Yeah. Uh, because not all game programs and stuff uh, can communicate with each other. So... This is like a single place where they could communicate and text chat kind of outside of game world. Turns out it's also really, really good for podcasting. So that ties in nicely with our Patreon because then as a page, this is my plug time as a Patreon supporter, (laughs) we give you access to our live recording channel, which we can block, you know, based on discord roles, which are like settings for individual users. So if you are a Patreon supporter, you get access to listen to us record the show live every two weeks when we typically would. You just hop in the chat. You can hear me and Justin talk like you and I are talking now. And we interact. People have a text chat that they can talk to us from. And we just kind of go back and forth. It's really quite awesome. It's been going just gangbusters. It's great. <laughs> um, there are a bunch of channels like General, New Gear Day. You want to talk about some new gear you got? You posted in New Gear Day. You want to talk about this new song you heard that's just like blowing up the charts? You posted in Music Talk. Okay? Yeah. 
If your name is Doug, you can talk in the dugout because we have three people named Doug. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. And if you want to talk about video games, we have a thing for gaming and all that stuff. So it's like these old school, you know, AOL chat room type things uh, all within our server. And you can talk with other people in the tone control community. Exactly. And just like talk about gear all day, basically, and shoot the shit. But I'm going to try and figure that out. I'm like, I know I like, I was like, I joined and I'm like, ah, oh, fuck this. And I'm like, I heard your episode uh, this past week. I'm like, all right, it gives me back into trying Discord. Yeah. I'm just right. like, it's a, it's a, it's a different world. It's a different scene. It's, man. it's not, I believe in you. It's not hard. Just hang out in that general chat. Just be like, hey guys, what's up? And I'm, I guarantee you, I will say something and I'm sure a handful of other people will be like, oh, hey dude. <laughs> uh asl what's up <laughs> yeah definitely definitely yeah uh, but yes so that's that's the thing about discord it's a great place to host a podcast if you're thinking of starting a podcast so i'm just like but, back in my day you had a facebook group and an instagram that's all you needed <laughs> yeah like this is our Those community is, days. Uh, <laughs> our community is much smaller than yours um, and being incorporated on Facebook like that makes a lot of sense. But for us, it's like, it'd be too little too late, I think. So we have the page, we have the Instagram, we're on Twitter also, but like discord is emerging as the place to kind of be, to like really be active and talk about kind of whatever we talked about in the most recent episode to connect with me and Justin really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's been going really well so far. And then, you know, as a discord user, you can join servers for things for other things in your life that you're interested in other mm-hmm. video games. Um, I'm in a server now that's just about podcasting. So people who are, it's like a big podcast network, which is great. You mm-hmm. have a question about where to host or what gear to use. People can talk to you there about that. <sighs> yeah, that's, well, you know, I'll, 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 I'll give it another shot. I'm gonna give it another, another try, but all right, let's uh, get on out of here. Uh, Derek, yeah. thank you so much. Uh, check out the tone control on uh, whatever podcast feed you're listening to this on. Find them, the tone control. You can go back and listen to, uh, the episode that we did with Derek and Justin, uh, it was more, uh, you know, kind of more traditional main episode. Uh, yeah. Th- I mean, thanks so much for, you know, taking the time, Derek. Dude, thanks for having me. Anytime you want to spin up a quick, you know, Hey, want a podcast tonight? Just let me know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or not so quick. This ended up being like an hour, but it was, it's fun. That's I like, that's fine. Yeah. I, I like how we talked about one of the topics I sent you and we just ended up talking for an hour. This is it because it's like, we're cut from the same cloth. We're gear nerds, guitar nerds. So th- this is the thing. This is why Justin and I started a podcast is because we would just sit around and talk about this stuff in real life. Let's put and it on like, tape, baby. <laughs> dude, let's record it. All right. Uh, Yeah, check them out. Tone Control. And uh, we'll see you when we see you. Bye-bye. Bye.